Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We're going to have all of our reviews from the trials this weekend coming over the next few days. We go a little bit deeper, but I thought today had a bit of time, so I thought I'd just touch on some of the halves, because over the last 48 hours, we've had, what, I think six games, five games, and we've had a lot of questions answered. We've had a lot more questions that have been put out there, though, off the back of these trials, too. So I thought I'd just go through the halves and talk about what I saw over the last 48 hours, including last week, and what I see going in to start the season, because... Out of all the teams that played last night, they have some of the most interesting halves pairings and on Friday night as well. And there's a few more still to come. Of course, Canterbury, the Gold Coast Titans. I mean, there's a few sides here that are really interesting to watch in the halves. And I think there's a lot to take from all these games. So the first one, the Canberra Raiders and the Manly Seagulls. Manly, really not much to say about their halves. We know what they're going to do. They know each other inside out. Not a heap to touch on there, realistically. Canberra won this game. I'm not overly concerned about scoreboards here. I'm more focused on performances. And I've got to tell you, I thought Jack Wyden, I thought it was one of his better games I've seen in quite a while. Um, He had a couple of really good games last year, but they were sort of sporadic here and there. I thought that his game against the Manly Seagulls on Friday night was sensational. I think Jamal Fogarty uh, played a role in that just quietly. Uh, Fogarty, I don't think he's going to be an absolute superstar down there at the Canberra Raiders. I said earlier in the preseason that I don't think there's a massive gap between Fogarty and Sam Williams. Uh, For me, I would rather have Fogarty than Sam Williams. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think there's a gaping hole between the two of them. I think they can both play a very similar role. I think Fogarty has a bit more upside. There's no doubt about that. But I'm not really going after Fogarty for his upside. I'm going for his stability and what he can bring out of Jack Whiten. Now, I thought Jack Whiten was great. I thought he was very, very impressive. Scored a try, laid on another. He was great, Jack Whiten. So very good signs uh, for Canberra Raiders fans. I thought his kicking game in general was a lot better. Obviously, his kicking game can be up and down. He's a manufactured 5'8". He isn't a kid 
kid that's come through junior grades, you know, being taught how to kick, short kicking game, all the little things that, that, that you need as a half. He's had to learn it on the fly over the last two years. Thankfully, he's got one of the best kickers rugby league has ever seen in Ricky Stewart as his coach, who he spends a lot of time with. But Jack Whiten, I thought he was really impressive on Friday night, and I think that Canberra Raiders fans should be excited about this halves combination. Were they perfect? No. But is it their first game playing together ever? Yes. So give them time. I think that they, they, they will put it together. You know, the Canberra Raiders, they could finish 16th or 4th. And I've got to tell you, I wouldn't be really shocked. It all depends on what happens off the field and everything, how it all plays out. But as it stands right now, based on Game 1 and what we saw, Fogarty was not a standout, but he did his job, and he brought out the best in Jack Whiten. If Fogarty brings out the best in Jack Whiten, he's done his job. If we get to the end of this season and Fogarty has zero tries and Jack Whiten has 30, that says to me that Fogarty has done his job bringing out the best in Jack Whiten. That was an extreme example but that's the role that you've got Fogarty there for, to bring out the best in Jack White. And he has got upside himself. There's no doubt about that. He will have big games himself, but he needs to be the key to unlock Jack White. And from what I saw in the very early stages of this season, trial number one for these guys, I think he is heading in the right direction towards doing that. So Canberra Raiders fans, I think they should be very happy with that combination as it stands right now. The next game was interesting. The Sydney Roosters taking on the West Tigers. Of course, uh, the Roosters started pretty fast. I think they led 8-0 here. Paul Morosky scored, then Kevin Naguama scored. Um, you know, they, they led. They then took a couple of players off here and there. Uh, the West Tigers... They, actually, I'll talk about the Roosters first. Sam Walker, uh, I thought he was really good. He was partnering up with Joey Manu. Joey Manu, you know, not a 5'8". He's a center, but he's very handy at 5'8". He's just a footballer, so he can play anywhere. If he's playing there round one against the Newcastle Knights, I'll back him in to have a big game there. The Roosters will win that game. Sam Walker, uh, I'm a little bit worried about him in defense, to be honest with you. I know that people, you know, have talked all year about he's put on five or six kilos. He looks massive now. I'm a little bit concerned about him in defense still. I don't, it doesn't, just from watching him in that game, it, he didn't look like a guy to me that had put on five or six kilos. Physically, you can see that he has, but just the way that he, he was defending and the way that he was still getting knocked about uh, is a little bit of a worry. Sam Walker, he is tough as nails, though. He's probably too tough for his own good, realistically. Did a couple of really good things, made, made a line break at one stage, uh, you know, ha, had a hand in, in, in their first two tries. So there is a lot of positives to take from this game with Sam Walker, but I'm really excited to see Luke Keary return to this side, and I think it'll be great for Sam Walker, especially when you got to your last tackles and your guys that are normally on the field, Luke Keary and James Tedesco last year, who did who did a lot of kicking as well. They weren't on the field, and it was putting a lot of pressure on Sam Walker. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I just think it's hard to take too much out of this game for Walker when Teddy and Keary weren't on the field because they will be a different team and he will be a different player once they return. Joey Manu, he played six, but he's not a six. He did a job there for them. He was very solid. He will continue to be very solid every time he plays because he's a freak footballer. Still not a six, though, but he's going to be able to get by there in that position. There's no doubt about it. I thought, uh, Victor Radley was pretty solid in his return as well. First time we've seen Rads uh, just playing his role, doing his thing. You probably went a little bit unnoticed, as he always does, but Radley, he played well. Uh, the West Tigers, now they're halves. Very interesting. 
Started the game with Luke Brooks and Jackson Hastings. Luke Brooks was sitting in the driver's seat. He was in control of this side. Uh, it wasn't overly impressive, to be perfectly honest with you. Jackson Hastings entered this game with a foot injury. He had um, something removed off his Achilles a couple of weeks ago, and he essentially hasn't been able to feel his foot for the last few weeks. He's just started to get feeling back in it over the last week or so. Uh, even going into that game, he still couldn't feel some of his toes. I know that uh, Luke Brooks kicked the first goal. I wouldn't read into it too much. I know that Jacko was very hesitant whether he was going to kick or not. Spoke to him on Thursday. He sort of, I sort of said, are you packing a kick and tee? He went 100%, but the physio will tell me whether he wants me to kick or not. It'll just depend how much pressure we're, we're putting on this foot. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, Hastings will be kicking. Luke Brooks then went off the field and Hastings took over and Twitter, you know, all the smartest guys in the room went into absolute uh, overdrive. But look, I'm pretty confident Hastings will kick. If he doesn't, he doesn't. So be it. And we will know before the season starts. But I know that Jacko is pretty confident that he is going to kick. So just keep an eye on that, Supercoach players. uh, And we'll see how it plays out. We have still got two weeks or so to work that one out. Uh, But... I thought Luke Brooks, he ran the ball a lot, which is probably his strong point of his game. But outside of that, I was reasonably disappointed by this Brooks performance. I saw a lot of people on social media and everything saying that that, that they liked how well he was going because he was running. Uh, I just think you need a little bit more out of your seven. I, I've always been a fan of Luke Brooks. I think that if he was to leave this side and go somewhere else, he would be very successful. Um, look, the Tigers, they, they got by with Brooks and Hastings. But I will say this. There was a set in the first half where Hastings jumped in the driver's seat and took total control of it. He touched it just about on every single play of the set. Shock me. Uh, the Tigers scored on the back end, but it was the only points that they scored whilst Luke Brooks was on the field. Uh, and it was off the back of what Jacko was doing and how involved he was. Uh, in the second half, you had Hastings partnered with Jock Madden. Now, we've spoken about Jock Madden a lot on the podcast and on Bloke in a Bar. I've always been a big fan of him. He can play. Uh, when he came on the field with Jacko, they look like the better halves to be perfectly honest with you. What I take from that game, I think that Hastings has to run this side. I honestly do. I'm probably a little bit biased. That's fair enough. But from what I saw, my eye test said Hastings is the guy for this team. I don't think he's carrying any baggage from, you know, obviously Luke Brooks, he's carrying 10 years worth of baggage of his team being unsuccessful and him being the scapegoat. Jacko isn't. He is starting fresh. He's ready to roll. The big thing about Jacko for me is that he just had so much time with the football. He looked like he had all the time in the world. He was playing in slow motion at times. And you've got to remember... This is whilst coming off this foot injury as well. Uh, I, I imagine that he, he will only get better as the season goes on. I can see a world where Jackson Hastings is the seven, is the seven and Adam Dewey is the six eventually. I really do think that this could be a destructive little combo. I don't know where you fit Brooksy in. I don't know if you let Brooksy go elsewhere. I'm not sure. Um, it's also just one trial. Uh, we have seen Luke Brooks play really good footy before. It's his first game, game with Hastings as well. Coming up against a reasonably good defensive side in the rain. I mean, it is what it is, but I don't think there's any denying that Jackson Hastings, he was the star of the show. And if I had to pick probably the next best guy that impressed me, I know it was in a shorter period of time, but geez, Jock Madden was good when he came on. So something to really consider there for the West Tigers. Positive signs though, Jacko, he hit the ground running, which is what Tigers fans wanted to see and what they needed to see. Realistically, he was really good. Um, you know, I know a lot of people think he's a dickhead and want to run with that narrative and that's fine. That's on you. But just go and have a look at Jacko's post-game interview. He's not getting wrapped up in it. You know, he concedes. It's a trial. The Roosters didn't play their best side. He's well and truly aware of the situation. 
but he can only come out and play against the guys that are in front of him, and I thought he did that really well. They don't win that game if Jackson Hastings wasn't in the team. In my opinion, he was a spark that won that game for them. Trial, 100%. Tell me it doesn't matter. That's fine. That, that's up to you. But it's the only opportunity we've got to see Jackson Hastings playing in this team. So I thought there was a lot of positives to come out of that. And I think Tigers fans, they should, should be a little bit more excited. You've got a tough round one game against the Melbourne Storm. Missing troops, to be fair, though. But it's down there, I think it is. That's going to be tough. Actually, I think it's at Leichhardt Oval, sorry. Uh, but... After that, you got a pretty good run, and this is where I think Hastings could really excel. If you have him in your draft teams and you're worried about the, non, the no goal kicking, I wouldn't stress just yet. I think he will be the kicker. Uh, and if you are about to do your draft, I would push Hastings up your board, like, like we said a couple of weeks ago. Dual position, I think he's going to be the main guy on this side. He might not be the main guy in the first three or four weeks, but I think it's a matter of time until he takes over from, from Luke Brooks, to be honest with you. Madge obviously has a really good relationship with Brooksy. I can promise you right now he has a really good relationship with Jacko as well, and I wouldn't be shocked if he does you know, really excel in this system. Whether it drags the Tigers into a top eight team, God knows. It's really hard to tell. I probably doubt it, but I think he will do really well for them, and I think he'll he'll be a leader at this club. All right, let's have a look. The Saturday games kicked off with the Penrith Panthers taking on the Parramatta Eels. Uh, I'll start with Penrith first. Obviously, a duck egg. We haven't seen that from Penrith Panthers in a long time. Even more concerning, they conceded 36 points. What I will say, though, and I don't want Parramatta fans to get mad here, we heard Brad Arthur talk before the game. Uh, he went into that game like it was his Super Bowl. The way that he was talking, the way that he was challenging his players, the way that he challenged his spine. Now, they came out and they brained it. Fantastic. 36-0 over the Penrith Panthers. It's going to go one of two ways. They're going to come into this season with a lot of confidence and kill it, which tends to be the way that Parramatta start their seasons, or they're going to come into round one after sort of doing it a little bit easy against a top team, and it might just take a, 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 a little bit to click for them. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. For me, though, a coach only has two to three opportunities a year where he can really get his team up. He's got two to three really good sprays, really good speeches before a game that gets a team up. I'm wondering if Brad Arthur used one of them in a trial, which is my only concern, because I promise you this. Ivan Cleary will come out of this game. He won't be concerned at all. A couple of defensive things that he will take care of, but when he's missing Fisher-Harris, Yo, Nathan Cleary, this game will not be on his radar, and we will look back in the rear view, in the rear view mirror and think about this 36-0 game and laugh at it towards the back end of the season for me. The Panthers will still be up there with the very best of them. They will be a top-three team. If you're doubting them off the back of this, respectfully, I think you're kidding yourself. Uh, the Haas are Sean O'Sullivan and Jerome Luai. They are a different team without Nathan Cleary, and this is the comment I got a lot over the last 24 hours. Wow, how shit are they without Cleary? I need you to also consider, though, they were also without their fullback, who, whilst he might not be a top five fullback in rugby league, he is consistent as all hell. They were without the best lock forward in rugby league for me. If he's not the best lock forward in rugby league, I don't think there's any argument that he is the best suited lock forward for the Penrith Panthers in Isaiah Yo, Yeah, you might tell me Cam, Cam Murray's better, which is fine. I won't push back on you on that. Um, I, I could have either of them at one. But Isaiah Yo is incredibly important to this team in attack and in defense. They are also missing James Fisher-Harris, who is the best front rower or one of the best front rowers in rugby league. You'd put him up there with Payne Haas. Junior Paulov, he keeps playing the way 
that he was the other night, you can start to push him into that stratosphere as well. But James Fisher-Harris, he's the alpha in that forward pack. Nathan Cleary, he is the best ball player in rugby league, arguably the best player in rugby league. And Isaiah Yo, he's probably the best ball playing 13 in rugby league right now. Victor Radley was a couple of years ago for me, but what Isaiah Yo's done and on the stages that he's done it on, I just don't think you can undervalue him anymore. So yes, they were missing Cleary and that's a real stinger. They had Jerome Luai, but he is better with Cleary. I don't think there's any doubting that whatsoever. Couple of new combinations to work out there. I just don't think you can put it all down to Cleary when you're missing Isaiah Yo, Dylan Edwards and James Fisher-Harris. There's a lot more to go into that side and they will turn it around straight away. For some of the guys that are in the regular 17 for the Penrith Panthers that went through this loss. It could be a little positive for them, to be honest with you. But we'll talk about that more later in the week. I thought Jerome Luai wasn't overly impressive in this one. It was a hard game to be impressive, realistically. The Parramatta Eels, they hit the ground running. Brad Arthur had them really up for this one. Um... Uh, I, I won't go into it too heavily, but the whole Dylan Brown thing, I mean, if you can't see it yet, I, I don't know what to do for you. I know that we all look at super coach numbers and we look at stats and two tries. Yes, oh, he had a shit year in attack. He didn't. This is what I was saying all last year. This is what me and Dennett have been saying all preseason. You watch how this game played out. You watch the impact that Dylan Brown has, and this happens to him all the time he puts on great plays but they don't get rewarded on the stat sheet and people ignore the work that he does and it just it puzzles me how this consistently happens to this guy just to remind you of the first half for them right so this is in the pissing rain taking on the Penrith Panthers who yes they're missing troops but defense is an attitude they're a good defensive team yeah um he goes through the line in the first few minutes. He, he has a simple fl- flick ball inside to Sean Lane, who should have scored. Sean Lane being Sean Lane occasionally. You know, he's no stranger to, to dropping his lollies out of nowhere. He, he drops that one. All of a sudden, you know, Dylan Brown should have had one try assist there. Uh, he then has a pass to Gutho where he gets the ball. He's got his, his second rower coming in on his left shoulder. He straightens up the line. He creates the spade. He throws it out to Gutho out the back with a perfect ball. Gutho catches, takes three steps, and draws a two-on-one, and gets a try assist for that. Now, I understand that's how it works in rugby league, but if you understand rugby league, you understand that Gutho isn't in that position if Dylan Brown doesn't manipulate the entire line. And then you get to the end of the game and, you know, they'll say try involvements, but unfortunately people don't value try involvements. They want try assists because that's where you get your super coach points, your fantasy points, and they're the stats that we look at. But Clint Gutherson doesn't have that try assist if it's not for what Dylan Brown does. So once again, here we are. We're 10 minutes into this game. He should have had a try assist to Sean Lane if he didn't have feet for hands in that moment. He set up Clint Gutherson, who got his try assist. All of a sudden, he's two try involvements in the pissing rain against the Penrith Panthers. Um, He then makes a line break. They almost score off the next set. He breaks about five or six tackles. On that play, he gets them on the front foot. So all of a sudden, we could have had two try assists and a line break in the first 15 minutes against the Panthers in the wet if the stats reflected that. Uh, then later, in the, a few minutes later, he makes a cracking tackle on Siren. And now you watch halves defended rugby league. Now, a lot of them aren't great defenders. Dylan Brown is the best at it. Go and watch this tackle he makes on Siren and chops him in half, gets him to the ground, then climbs on top of him to properly win the tackle and slow down the ruck. Not many halves do this, yeah? And it's something you need to take into consideration. I've had this argument with a lot of people, a lot of people that unfortunately know a lot about rugby league, and they just sort of want to ignore how a halfback defends or how a 5'8 defends and act like it doesn't matter because they're doing good ball playing. That's bullshit. 50% of the game is defense. There's no point being a really good half or 5'8 if you're conceding two and three tries a game and you're leaking 
you're just leaking mo- momentum to the other team. That sort of stuff matters. And this is what Dylan Brown is an absolute wizard at. Uh, there's then the try after that where I think it's Mitch Moses. He puts in a grubber. Uh, I think it's Makatoa scores off it. You go and watch it from the wide shot. Dylan Brown is standing about four men wide. He's looking at the sideline. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's confusing the defensive line. All of a sudden, he turns, snaps, and he sprints straight to the sticks. Now, one of... The Penrith players got a hand to this, and then it sat up for Makatoa. If he didn't get a hand to that, Dylan Brown scores under the sticks because he runs a perfect line onto that kick. And this is what good halves do. This is what the great halves have always done. They run onto each other's kicks. They're aware of each other, and they're pushing up on each other all the time. And this is what Dylan Brown does really well. Um, he then put um, Clint Gutherson into a three-on-two with the exact same play that he did earlier. Gutho took it himself and got tackled. Nothing against Gutho on that play. But it's another situation where Dylan Brown is creating things for the Parramatta Eels that people ignore because we get to the end of the game and the stats aren't incredibly impressive. He's been doing this stuff for two years. And honestly, if you can't see it, just go back and watch that game yesterday and just watch what Dylan Brown does. Take note of the things I'm telling you and then watch him when we get to the regular season because it will keep happening. It happened all last year. He puts Gutho in these great positions time and time again. Gutho gets the trices. Gutho gets the super coach points, and we ignore Dylan Brown. Just keep an eye on it. Um, he then moved to... He, he also then in the first half also uh, made a... Oh, essentially made another line break. There was one defender that held onto his shoe and didn't let go. He beat the line. It was just that one guy held onto his shoelace, essentially. So a big game from Dylan Brown. He moved to center at the end of the game, which I don't really get. They're trying to get some versatility in him, I think, which I understand. And if you're going to do it, trials is the place to do it. Scored a try there, just pushing up through the middle. And once again, pushing up matters. As a half, pushing through the middle matters. And you can see on this break... When it happens, Dylan Brown, he's deep at left center. He just he just darts straight through the line because he knows where the ball's going to be. And this is a sort of awareness and ball-playing ability that Dylan Brown know, has just to know where the ball is going to be. Just something to keep an eye on with Dylan Brown. I thought Mitch Moses was great too. His first kick, uh, he kicked it dead, and I thought, oh, Jesus, here we go. Uh, that would have rattled him the first kick of the season for him. Essentially, he kicks it dead. Uh, then he bounced back and had a brilliant kicking game, Mitch Moses. So a really good game all round for the Parramatta Haas. Moses was good. I thought Dylan Brown was great, and I think he's one guy to keep an eye on. And if you still think... He's shit in attack, or they need to move him on. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to say to you, to be honest with you. Uh, the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the St. George of the Dragons. The Dragons won this one, once again, not really caring about the result here. More focusing on the halves. We'll start with South Sydney. Ilias was exactly what I expected. Uh, he was very solid. He played his role. He moved the ball around. He made a couple of errors here and there. One or two poor passes. It's his first game playing alongside Cody Walker. Uh, the thing that I was interested with Ilias, obviously Adam Reynolds, he played a lot on the right, but he also would always float onto the left. You have a look at every single try that Alex Johnson scores last year, essentially. Uh, Adam Reynolds is that first receiver. Now, Ilias wasn't doing that. Now, I posted last night, and I'll just explain it for some people that don't understand it. I said he doesn't cross. 50%. So when I coach, and I know a lot of coaches do it, I, I, I don't know if it's as common as what I think it is, but a really basic terminology to explain the field is that the left corner post is 0%, the right corner post is 100%, the black dot, that's 50%. So for example, if you have a right foot kicker and you're working through your set, you obviously want your right foot kicker to be kicking from the left-hand side. So you might say, let's get our set to the 40-meter line on 30%. 30%, 25%, that means in between the left corner post and the uprights. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Your right-footed kicker can get the ball from dummy half and he's the whole field is open for him. Whereas you, if you end up on like 70 or 80% and your right-footed gets the ball, the marker's got a really easy grab on him there. It's a bit more of a rush kick. So just an example what I mean when I say 50%, it means the black dot. And what you notice with Ilias in the first half is that he stayed on the other side. So from 50 to 100%, that's where he played his football, which is fine. I don't have an issue with it. But what it does is it makes it interesting when they go to the left. Now, when they were going to the left last year, you would either have Adam Reynolds, Cam Murray, and then Cody Walker would be the second or third man to get his hands on the ball. And then he would either go to Luttrell or he would just cut straight out to Alex Johnson. It looks like it's going to be a little bit different this year. You had Cody Walker jumping into first receiver a lot, uh, which I thought was good. He looked really dangerous there. But what it means potentially Latrell Mitchell, he could become your big stats guy as far as South Sydney goes. As far as Supercoach goes as well, if Cody Walker ends up in first receiver, uh, you will see him go out the back of his second rower and hit Latrell. And all of a sudden, instead of it most of the time being Cody in your three-on-twos making that decision with AJ, now it's Latrell Mitchell. So the stack might actually be Latrell Mitchell and AJ in Supercoach. In saying that, We've obviously got Cam Murray to come back into this side. So Cam Murray, he could play that first link man role and you could still see Cody Walker out the back. So once Cam Murray returns, it'll be interesting to see how this changes. Uh, I posted that just before halftime about Ilias not crossing the black dot. Uh, we then saw in the second half, he did it once or twice. So hopefully it'll start to evolve in their game. I think it would be sensational for them uh, to have Ilias not playing on both sides of the field, but playing from about 40 to 100%. I would leave that that real left edge to Cody Walker, but I would like to see Ilias cross the halfway and play a little bit of that first receiver role to open Cody Walker up a little bit more. Cam Murray might play that role though, so one to keep out. Keep in mind, speaking of Cody Walker, he was sensational and he was playing left, he was playing right. There was times where he was standing on the right-hand side tram line. There's times where he was in dummy half. He was just terrorizing them. Uh, For me, I look at South Sydney. I'm worried about Adam Reynolds leaving. I'm worried about Wayne Bennett leaving. And for me, I was worried about how Cody would respond to that. It looks to me like Cody has taken that personally, which I think is sensational for South Sydney fans. Cody has heard all the noise this preseason, and he's taken it personally. So the way that he was attacking, I was very excited. The way that he was floating all over the field, he wasn't sitting out on the left edge waiting for the ball to get to him. He was coming in. He was helping Ilias. He was getting the ball when he wanted it. We heard Benji Marshall talk before the game saying that Ilias will learn very quickly. If Cody Walker calls to the ball and he doesn't get it, he's going to find himself in Barney Rubble. He's going to get a spray. And I sort of thought it'll be interesting to see if Cody Walker just stands on the left edge screaming for the ball or if he really goes looking for it. He went looking for it more than I could have ever anticipated Cody Walker. I thought his kicking game was really good as well. So a lot of positives for South Sydney. As much as they lost the game, Cody Walker looked sensational. Ilias, in the back end of the first half and the start of the second half, he started to show a bit of attacking flair, which I've been talking about for the last week or so. I'm very excited about Ilias. I think he's going to be a real footballer. 
Is he Adam Reynolds? No, he's not. Yeah, and there's only a handful of guys like Adam Reynolds, probably less than a handful realistically. I still think that Reynolds is a top three to top five halfback in rugby league for what he does. Big shoes to fill for Ilias, but good God, it's going to be helped with Cody Walker stepping up the way he did the other night. So very impressed with Cody Walker. We get to the Dragons, their opposition. I thought Amone was great. He looks lethal, but the star of the show for me was Ben Hunt. Good God, he was just backing himself in. That left edge of the St. George Illawarra Dragons, they are going to be lethal this year. Moses Suley, Jack Bird, very, very dangerous. Cody Ramsey's on the left wing at the moment. Um, he obviously ha- had a really good finish in that game that was fantastic. Uh, but Ben Hunt, he was a star of the show. Kick him from his own 20 just because he can see space. Some of the runs he took, he was just dangerous, Ben Hunt. He was alive. He was hitting guys, wrapping around them. When you see Ben Hunt hit a guy and wrap around him when he's at his absolute energetic best, this is where Ben Hunt does really, really well. So very excited excited to see Hunt and Amon, how their combination is going to develop as the year goes on. But yeah, <clears throat> Hunt was the star of the show. Monet was great. But Hunt, I was very, very impressed with. And that left edge, they are going to be dangerous with Jack Bird, Sully. Very excited about the Dragons. I still can't believe, we said it last week on Bloke in a Bar, how on earth they were the favourites of the Wooden Spoon is beyond me. I think people forget that if it wasn't for Barbecue Gate last year, they probably play finals footy or finish ninth or tenth. So for the, for people to say they're going to finish last, I just can't even see a world where that occurs. We've spoken about Jack Bird a lot. Uh, he's a guy that I would love to see in Jersey 13. I think he is a 13. But I think the way that the Dragons play... Jack DeBellin is more suited to be the 13, and I think that was pretty obvious the other night, to be honest with you. Jack Bird on the left edge, he was great, and I think he will stay there. Uh, not halves, but shout-out to Blake Laurie. I thought he was really good in his bounce-back game. The rub-down boys will be very happy with that. Uh, I've got him in my draft team, as you all know. Got him very, very late, so I was happy to see the way that he was playing. This is why you leave your value in your front row forward still very late, because you can pick up guys like him very, very late. I probably could have got him off the waiver wire if I wanted to. Uh, so just a little bit of draft strat on top of that. But yeah, South Sydney and the Dragons, very positive signs uh, for both their halves. I would argue it's probably the most positive game for two halves pairings that were playing against each other. Let's move to the North Queensland Cowboys and the Brisbane Broncos. The Cowboys, their conundrum. Who will partner Chad Townsend? We've got Tom Dearden and we've got Scott Drinkwater. Chad Townsend, the experience that he showed the other night was very, very impressive. I know people don't like Chad Townsend or they like to bag him or think he's shit or whatever, but experience matters. There aren't many good halfbacks in this competition. I said this before he went to the Warriors and he looked very average there, carried a number of injuries and whatnot. But last night was more so what I expected out of Chad. His kicking game was great, especially in the wet. This is where experience really does matter. And Chad was fantastic. I've got to tell you, before the game started, I thought there's not a hope in hell he can run with Chad and did, and he has to run with drink water. And I still kind of stand by it. I would still go drink water. I obviously drafted in my Supercoach team, so call me bias if you want. But I just think Drinky has way too much upside not to be in this football team. Talking to Denon the other day, we were sort of saying, how can Drinkwater not be playing in the NRL? More importantly, how can Drinkwater not be playing in the NRL for the team that is one of the favorites to finish last? It just blows me away. In saying that, Dearden was very impressive. He did some really good things in that game, set up a great try for Val Holmes. He ran a brilliant line. I will say this, though. Brisbane's defense was pretty fucking bang average. Um, Drinkwater, Dearden, I, I, I can sort of see Todd Payton going either way. I think Dearden had first crack uh, in last night's game, and he did nothing but impress, realistically, as much as you might not like Dearden. He was impressive in that game. His combination with Chad was good. So I think Dearden will probably win the round one race, and, you know, 
uh, he he didn't play poorly last night. He played well enough to hold on to it. Drinky, I thought he potentially played better than what Dean did, uh, but because Dean already had his foot in front of him, I think he will get the spot. Drinkwater, I will say this: I think it is a matter of time till Drinky comes back into this side. So as a guy that owns him, I'm not overly stressed. We look on the other side of the field: Tyson Gamble and Billy Walters. Very worrying. Uh, very, very worrying. Obviously, they'll be a different team with Adam Reynolds, but defensively, the Broncos, they I'm, I'm not sure how much improvement has actually happened here, to be honest with you. It worries me a little bit. Adam Reynolds has seriously got his work cut out for him uh, when he comes back. I think it's terrible that he hasn't been able to play a trial. I think it makes life really hard for the Brisbane Broncos. Um, I think that Billy Walters was pretty disappointing. I was very high on him last week. There's no doubt about that, but I will be honest. He was disappointing. Uh, I thought Gamble was probably better, but I also wouldn't say Gamble was great, to be honest with you. He might have been better than Billy Walters, uh, but he was definitely the fourth best half on the field behind Chad Drinky did in whichever order you want to put those three. So pretty alarming uh, for the Brisbane Broncos. Their attack was very scratchy. They started off the game well, and then it just looked uh, it looked pretty average. Billy Walters had an opportunity to put the Broncos over for a try and just completely misguided his pass, threw it into the middle of nowhere, which was really disappointing. That turns you know a pretty average game into a half decent game but it also but because he missed the mark turns an average game into a pretty shit game realistically a lot of talk about has billy walters played himself out of the 6 jersey for me i think walters had his foot in front uh, when that game started and I don't think Gamble probably did quite enough to knock him out of that side. I won't be shocked if it is Gamble locking up, lining up next to Reynolds, but I still think Billy Walters will probably get that gig. Uh, will it be the combination for the entire season with Albert Kelly, Gamble, Tamari Martin, Ezra Mam? I mean, it's really hard to say and really hard to predict whether it will be the halves combo all year. I doubt it personally. I think there will be chopping and changing from time to time. And let's be honest here, Kevin Walters has shown over the last few years he's not afraid to chop and change his halves. It's been a huge issue for them. Whether he does it with Billy or not uh, remains to be seen. But I think Walters will still line up with Adam Reynolds. And I think that he will be better alongside Adam Reynolds. But... Yeah, Reynolds has a big task in front of him at the Brisbane Broncos because they really aren't where they should be. And it's disappointing that Reynolds hasn't been able to play a trial and that plays a role in that. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but there are a couple of issues that they need to sort out there. Selwyn Cobbo, his positioning and everything at fullback was a bit of a worry. This is why myself and Denning keep saying he is very raw. We're not sure if he's ready for that fullback jersey just yet. Um, but you don't really have a heap of other options. It's probably David Mead that you throw in there. So I don't know. It's it's a tough one, Brisbane. They're in an awkward little situation. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the impact that Adam Reynolds is going to have. As I said, guys, this was sort of just a rundown on what I saw from all the Haas pairings that have played so far. We've got, what, three more games to come this weekend. Uh, two today. Uh, was it two today? and No, four games. Two today and two on Monday, I think, because obviously we had the Warriors-Titans game postponed. Uh, so we will do full reviews of that on Bloke in a Bar, and we'll talk a little bit more on this podcast as well. But just a little something-something for your Sunday to talk about the halves that played so far this weekend. Just a reminder, guys, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, we will have uh, Beers and Breakdown. It will return for episode two. Very excited about that. YouTube got about a 1,000 views, which was sensational. 1,000 views, got about 150 subscribers on there now, I think. So if you are a YouTube operator, please come over. Beers and Breakevens on the Rugby League Guru YouTube channel. Come over, subscribe, follow that, especially if you're a super coach player. Some very good content 
content coming there. And as the season progresses, there's just going to be general NRL content there produced by me. So stay tuned for that. A lot of exciting things happening in the rugby league guru sphere. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.